When life throws you a curveball, how are you going to handle adversity? Welcome to the Fearless Mindset Podcast, where you're about to go on a journey as I interview security, business, and entertainment leaders on what it takes to stay fearless. I'm your host, Mark Ludlow, and enjoy today's episode. Freeze, recruit, freeze. Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. (laughs) I had a flashback PTSD moment. You got two Marine Corps vets on this thing. So Kill. sorry. So our apologies. We didn't want to scare you folks listening into this. And uh, what a crazy, uh, crazy couple of weeks it's been. I just got home a couple of days ago. So I'm, I got a new mic. Thanks to Love Those Security Group. Paid for a brand new mic. And uh, we pulled Aaron Malden in. Yeah, that's Aaron Malden right on the video, guys. <laughs> that's him and the physical presence in uh, we all know how busy Aaron was. He was down at the Close Protection Conference, and uh, he's the infamous Aaron. Uh, we uh, we know how great of a job he did at the presentation. And uh, <laughs> if you had a little ear shock when you heard him talk, he may have had a Marine Corps experience for a minute in boot camp. So he maybe thought he was a drill instructor for a second there. A little PTSD moment. Well, I did take two rip fuel that morning because um, <laughs> I was hurting from uh, Christian West's party the night before. So I think, uh, <laughs> you know, shooting uh, two rip fuel with a, a double GMT <laughs> is not a good mix before you get on stage. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, folks, if you're tuning in, yeah, we uh, Aaron is, uh, we've been trying to do this for a long time. Over a year. Over a year. And as you guys all know, he travels all around the world doing what he does. And he's the, probably the most passionate um, Thank you. executive protection mind in the industry. And uh, we we had we just have a lot of fun when we're together. We just we just crack jokes. We start laughing because some people just take themselves too seriously in this industry. Hate yes. to say it, but guys, gals, we're not Jason Bourne. We're just agents. So get over it. Get over your ego. Tune in chill out and ha- listen to a good story from Aaron and what he's been doing. It's uh let's get real folks. We protect people. We're not SF. We're not, you know, doing black ops over in, with the uh, Jack Ryan and in the latest episode, we're not, we're just, you know, protecting people and just, uh, just chill out, grab a glass, have a drink, coffee, water, whatever works for you. Jeez. There you go. He's seven up. You know, I got my, my uh, Southern Oregon, uh, whatever this is, human being. No, I'm not endorsing human beings. I oh. just happened to get it and uh, a little caffeine. I woke up late. I'm working all night. So, folks, we're going to hear a little bit about Aaron, what he's been up to. Uh, um, Aaron, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> and so we're going to do a, a, what do we call this? An executive protection we're just going to dive deep in the world of EP uh, from my perspective, yeah. uh, especially over, I would say, the last five years, which has been a big, I think, a big transition. And like we discussed before, if you guys don't know, I'll just go ahead and do my bio. Former yeah. jar, Jarhead, I was 0331 with 18. Uh, since then, for I think going on about 18 years now, I've been providing executive protection, dictatorial protection, and close protection, which are three different things, and celebrity protection, so four different things. We can talk about that uh, on an international level. So I've been blessed working different uh, arenas of the protection industry, from, like I said, corporations to tours to diplomatic uh, to HVA, high-valued assets, uh, to even 
protecting uh, equestrian horses on an international trip. But where my real passion has always been is is training. And the way I look at training is um, when I was with AS Solution, they brought me on as a training manager. You know, it's it's there's a lot of regurgitation in the industry, right? And when I first started with AS, and we'll talk about it for a little bit, I didn't realize how big they were. You know, at their peak, they were $85 million a year billable company, direct EP, with over 120 clients and 35 embedded, which on an average year, our global support services would do 2,295 trips in 120 countries in 12 months. And that's not talking about our embedded programs or anything like that. So I was blessed to be able to touch and see you know, 120 different clients on the way they do EP. Their terminology is all different. So my passion with training is like, hey, do we need sustainment training? What is quality assurance, right? How do we track KPIs, key performance indicators on, hey, if a corporation is spending, let's say $5 million a year in, in training, how do they present key performance indicators of the learning and skill set of those agents to leadership? to the stakeholders, where's that money going, right? Because um, AS at that time had so many clients, my claim to fame, uh, thanks uh, to my team over there at AS, we did in 2019, we ran 149 training courses in over, I think it was four or five countries and trained over 2,300 agents in 12 months. That's insane. Who the fuck has done that? And the only reason why we had it is we had the support, right. we had the clientele base to support these training programs or being requested. You know, I think within six months, I ran through, I think it's like 112 guys through a driving package, 112 agents, right? So wow. the, the op tempo uh, between mm-hmm. me and uh, my peer, Sam Bruce, I mean, we were on the road six months out of the year and that was for four consecutive years. And that's that's just a training component. Then there's operational component too. So that's where I call it the dog years. So I've obviously up to that point, I think what uh, 14, 14 years of just being an operator uh, and then now coming in and supporting how to start, fix and optimize EP programs, right? So they'll come in and go, hey, we got a new program. How do we do that? And that's the, what I call the back-end business of executive protection, right? How do you start a program? Um, how do you assess? And I'm going to bounce all over the place. Like when we assess and optimize, I don't want to say fix because then they think there's a problem. So just actually in the month of July, um, I was sent out to assess protection detail for the corporation. Now, everyone thinks it's an audit. You know, I show up, guys are like, oh, I'm like, hey, dude, I don't want your job. I don't need your job. I'm just here to do a few things. One, to see how we can optimize and make your life easier. If we, if you need more bodies, you need more funding, what issues that were addressed, how can we fix them? And, um, you know, it was, I did for that month. I mean, I think there was times cause I was working, they had two shifts, the residential, the EP. So I was bouncing back and forth. And, um, it was, you know, I had to write an assessment and the team was solid. The team, I mean, like right now, I, I, I'll pull, like I pulled one of those guys off that detail to, to support me on another one that I had in New York. But what happens is, is it was management because they didn't understand 
what EP operations is, the logistics, the customer support, and how for proper detail to actually do their job. They're controlling the vehicles or they're making them stay at other hotels. And now they're Ubering back and forth instead of having the vehicles allocated to grab them an hour early. Like, you know, so when I went in, the hardest thing was discussing to the individual that hired me is given an assessment that they are the problem. And I, I think I see that a lot in middle management um, and with FTEs. For a lot of you don't know what FTE is, that's a full-time employee. So you can have, let's say, corporation Stark Industries, right? You will have what they have a group of FTEs that are work directly and then they'll hire a company like AS or, or Lilo to, um, Lilo, sorry, to support their operations. So now you have subcontractors reporting to the FTEs, right? So I started looking into this. Why this, why was this a problem? What, what was going on? And what I'm finding out is corporations may have a physical security presence. They may have a GSOC, right? Uh, a, a director of security, but, or they may get pulled in. I know one guy that I'm consulting right now, he's an Intel guy and he was tasked um to set up an EP team and he's calling me. He's like, you know, I'm just here. I'm the only one that they need to go to, but I don't know what I'm doing. So then I go, okay, let's start a service agreement. And, and he was wise enough to do that where a lot of people just fake the funk. So with that being said, when I said that, you know, I touched 120 corporate accounts, let's just talk about 10. Every time I go to those 10, they did EP 10 different ways because it was based off the environment, the client, the budget and the manpower, but also too, it's where their background's from. So when we talk about the AIC, right? The agent in charge of the detail, that secret service and state department, that is the guy in the front right seat of the principal's vehicle or in their terms, limo. It's not really a limo, it's just a vehicle unless it's the B is for the president, right? But all the corporations are like, oh no, that's the detail lead. That's the team lead. So the terminology and language is dramatically different based off of who the program was uh, built by. Um, so that's a lot of stuff that I'll introduce, like my breaking into the industry or my EP recruiting seminar is to be able to define all these different titles that these corporations get, like pro program manager. You'll see a guy, program manager on LinkedIn, and he's you know, he's one of my buddies, but they use that term. So when they travel, they don't have security in their bio, which they get pushed out or getting hemmed up. They're like, hey, I'm a program manager. I'm just here to, you know, manage the trip. But Intel, he is basically the entire, he runs the entire EP program. And there's just like one or two of them. Or if you're a program manager running a team and then you have a residential team, then that may be a project manager because the project is the, the the residential team so you got your project manager that reports to the program manager that oversees if that makes sense so that's the little minute stuff uh, when it comes to training i'm always about the micro and the macro so when we talk about arrivals and departures right guys are like all right we come up and we get in position no <laughs> right so it's all the micro, like, hey. I almost spit off my copy. You know, you got your seatbelt connector in, you're on the radio, and guys are like, they didn't pause and scan. What do you think the fuck I'm doing when we're pulling up to an arrival? Seatbelt's coming off, eyes are out, we're scanning. <laughs> the advance, if you have an advance, he's calling all clear. He's already out there. 
So he's already there. So when we post these training videos, a bunch of internet commandos from Wi-Fi Squadron start coming out. <laughs> and you guys go to my LinkedIn page. I like oh, dude, it was a couple, couple months back. I posted a corporate EP strong uh-huh. side and weak side drop. You know, and I saw that haters was, came out. It was fucking the, mind-boggling. <laughs> Sixteen guys are like. Your vehicles are faced the wrong way. That's why it's called a weak side drop, idiot. Like you're on a one-way street. And it built like you ever been to New York, right? You ever, you ever been the English? Like there's it, it is what it is. Well, you tell the principal uh to sit on the other side. The fuck you will, you know, you're wow. You're gonna, like, so this sunny, stuff, sunny back quarterbacking. Yeah, yeah. But the funny thing is, is that everyone was just oh, that Vance had his back to do like. And all these people have high threat protection or executive protection. It, it, it concerns me. And now I know yeah. why the industry, the way it is, is when I go do these assessments details or I went on that I discussed in uh, at the conference where I did a, a cross-country trip in each state, as we know, you, I don't think it's rarely everyone's licensed in every state. So you're going to have to sub, right? Yeah, so sub it out. So coming in, that's why people uh, have that title program manager, so they can legally work under that corporate CSO or whoever they're working under legally be like an executive assistant. You know, they got it because their boss wants them around, but they can't really travel in each state because they don't have license in all those states. Yeah. And those states need companies like you to come in and do the support, the security driving, the halls and walls, uh, movements, advances, et cetera. But Mm-hmm. Um, over the years, it's just like we always have to give a brief, but it's just concerning that yeah. people that have these titles don't know the difference of what an advanced versus a site survey is or a weak size, strong side drop. And these are just basic fundamentals, you know. Uh, so, I, you know, that's why I have some of these seminars. I'm, I'm ranking up training because you can go to a course that just regurgitates this is the Secret Service model, this is State Department, this is high threat, which is great. That is right. the baseline. That is the big fucking picture. And you should know that. But <clears throat> I'll teach you how it really is on the ground, regardless if you're going on fucking tour, if you're working for a Fortune 100 executive, um, if you're doing high-valued asset movements, which HVA bouncing all over the place, but now we're just going in. But um, high-valued assets, that's mm-hmm. it's it could be a component, but it also it could be a person. That person may not be an executive, may not be wealthy or whatever, but what they have is the intellectual property that needs to be protected due to corporate espionage, especially with the war with Russia, shit going on with China, um, that he is a valuable asset where it's called an HVA. So they people sit and monitor his house, they travel with him, and that's some of the stuff that I do with you know all the engineers and the components on the uh, space program that I'm currently on or contracted out with. So sorry, that was a, a big ramble. But the thing is, is that the industry is fucked up. It's fragmented. Um, so. And for the listeners listening, Aaron's been in this business a long time. He was, you know, Marine Corps veteran. He served his country. So he has a little bit of use of force training because of the military, being in combat and all that stuff, you know? you know, <laughs> And so he knows what he's talking about. And he was with AS Solutions, ran by Christian West. So he's got some skin in the game. And so for all the haters out there, Hey, 
Yeah, well, come it's, I'm like, may I introduce you to Tom Brady, the OG? <laughs> <laughs> well, so remember too. So let's before the haters go. Yeah. Let's talk about when I got started in the industry. There was no social media. There was MySpace. MySpace. So if you're lucky, then you had to use. Uh, you had to go online and go Kinkos and print out your map, MapQuest. Yeah, or the Thomas Guide. So the Thomas about, Guide. But I still use Thomas Guides um, or variations or maps when we travel overseas because. One, I may be issued a sat phone. I may not. If not, mm. I'm all about physical map presence, uh, mapping out because right now technology before, um, I mean, I got, I started security driving in, and that's how I got my start in 2003. So when I got out of the Marine Corps, um, I was in Las Vegas and I became a limo driver. And at that time, in wow. Las Vegas, there was only 70 drivers. We were in like a black suit all the time with white that, shirt it's and a tie. That, it's funny that you say that, but uh, uh, so when or I do you have in, a bow tie? No, no. So I'll t- I'll tell you about the difference on that. So when okay. I got started, there's only seventy, right? Seventy drivers. Yeah. Uh, they drove what's called six pack limos. Uh, Ten passengers were very rare, but I got one of the the first Escalade uh, SUVs that came out, which with the third row seat fit seven. So a six pack can only fit six people for 65 bucks. I was doing seven for 35. Um, I just turned 26, um, which was the legal age actually be a limo driver um, in Vegas. And I was crushing it because I didn't wear a tuxedo. I was an old crusty dude that thought he was, you know, um, Charles and his, you know, prepare the the carriage. You know, all the the proper butler uh, style. At that time, I was very inf- influential. Which, if you took look at, I always wore a gray suit, a white shirt, no tie, pinstriped suit. No, not pinstripe, gray. Gray, okay. Just a, a, a gray with white. And why do we do that? Well, if you look at Robert De Niro's character in Heat, um, if you look at uh, Tom Cruise's character in Collateral. And if you look at mm. Sylvester Stallone's character and Get Carter, they all wore the gray suit. So I was a big Get Carter fan, living in, you know, working in Vegas driving. So I didn't have that that stuffy feel. And uh, how it actually got started is I was at the Signature Airport with my suburban. I had like my little, you know, being a Marine, always prepared. I had my little go bag and all my stuff stuff, stuff underneath my seat, and uh, always wore like black leather driving gloves. I thought I was cool. And um, there was two other drivers and this private jet lands. <clears throat> these two guys get off and they're sharp. They look at all three vehicles because we're all there for the same tell number. So I'm like, what's going on? You know? Mm-hmm. And he goes, you two go away. You stay. What's your name? And I'm like, oh, I'm Aaron. He's like, all right. And I get a driver's brief. Right. And I, I didn't know what protection was at that time. Um, I was just driving, right? You know, because there's no social media. There's no one that talks about it, right? Unlike now. And I take them to go do advance. We get in the car. They're like, how long does Caesar's Palace? And I'm like, oh, it's um, uh, 1.7 miles. And I'll take, you know, roughly about 12 minutes. If we hit each, all three stoplights there, uh, it'll, it'll add additional, you know, seven, six, seven minutes. So we're still under 20. And they're looking at me going, you know. But as a limo driver or a chauffeur back then, I needed to know exactly how long each stoplight took, what my routes were, because I operated off the strips two miles. That's all it was. 
So it was how many trips I can do in the shortest amount of time to get the more, most money, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm going, I'm watching these guys. Now, this is like 2003, 2004. Like these dudes are doing old school dances. They're doing pace counts from the Coliseum where Celine Dion's going to, uh, you know, the, the private bathroom restroom. And I'm sitting in there and they ha- have this like notebook and they're making, because smartphones weren't a smartphone. I had that little foot phone. <laughs> and so that was the walkie-talkie, right? So I'm like, hey, I got to drive. Oh, my. Wow. So we're, we're going back old school because we're just so spoiled right now with having global security teams, uh, protective intelligence, you know, the access to our phone, all this information immediately where, you know, I would have to call the office and go, hey, I need I need the, the phone number to the front desk at Caesars Palace or the Coliseum, right? And there'd be a little secretary there at the office, we had one 24 hours that looked the stuff up, but also too, back then I had to have a Thomas guide to navigate. Cause if I had to pick someone up from the ridges or Lake Las Vegas um, or Shenandoah's ranch and stuff, I still had to use a Thomas guide to get back and forth around. So having some of those old school sets uh, really paid off. So, you know, when we're in parts of Africa, when we have no service and we have limited advance, you know, you have to have backup maps. You have to have, that you know you have your primary, secondary, and tertiary um, modes of whatever it is, regardless if it's motorcades, um, uh, phone numbers, all that stuff. Sorry, I take that. it your uh, your iPhone navigation system Waze does not work overseas. Oh, it does, but it back does. in the day, back back in the day, we didn't have it. Or if, they got if, it so if, easy now. Yeah, but like we did a trip from um, Marrakesh, Morocco, into West Sahara. So as we crest the, the Atlas Mountains to go back on the West Sahara side, which is all due, there's no service. So we had a, a sat phone that I would check in and ping, right? But, you know, we relied solely on, on maps and, and local drivers. You know? Wow. And, and that's um, one thing about this industry is that, you know, what we're taught a lot of times we don't get to do is where I was lucky enough to have, mm-hmm. you know, five days to do a full advance because we were doing cross-country trips. So how did that look like when we hit the border? What information, passports, if you need letterheads, all that basic stuff. But I think it's just um, a lost art because we're so spoiled. But with that being said, we talk about being protectors that with technology, protective intelligence, which one thing about protective intelligence is, is that protective intelligence, when when we had the first IPSB conference, that's when it used to be ESI, which I attended, I think, 2006. Right. And then they merged with Nine Lives with EPI. Then it morphed, I think, around 2014 to the IPSB conference. The biggest takeaway I got from there was mm-hmm. that <clears throat> protective intelligence has grown faster mm-hmm. within six years than executive protection has in 30. It's crazy. You're right, Aaron, because I see more stuff on LinkedIn for analysts, analyst, intel, analysts. I don't see... Uh, directors of security or director of EP. I don't see that. I see analysts, Intel operators, remote. So I see the that tells me these corporations are spending their big budgets now on getting the Intel to gather that data to present to the CFO of that company and saying, this is why we're doing this. Yep. The data numbers don't lie. And here's a, a free $100,000 consultation tip for you guys. Listen, if you're a security company, <clears throat> my company, which is now Catalyst, I know we fucking... Jumped all the way over. Right. But um, uh, Catalyst Training Group and Consulting is, I'm here for, for three things. There's a massive 
um, issue with recruiting properly trained people in the industry. So that's why I'm doing the seminars. Then there's not too many, very rarely companies that actually do sustainment training as a whole. What does sustainment training look like? Is that driving, shooting, uh, medical? Is it combatives? Is it professional development? Is it progressive? Meaning that, oh, the guys are like, hey, we're going to the same medical class. I can do this shit with my eyes closed. Now it's going to go, all right, now it's all scenario-based, right? Um, so there's got to be progression, but also professional development. So sustainment training is a, a big thing because that's my forte. But then as I talked about is the back-end business of EP, meaning that if you're a security company or a director that's taken over a family office, which one I'm dealing with right now, or a corporation, how do you know how an RFP, a request for or for pricing looks like? How do you write up or vet an SOW, which is a statement of work? Do you know how to do a risk assessment? If you're at that high level and you don't know how to do risk assessment, you probably should check yourself and get a course. I'm, I'm looking to run a course later this year because what does a risk assessment do? Risk assessment is the, the foundation, the base of every protection detail. So you can write the SOPs and policies and procedures and SOPs are two different things. The policies and procedures, there's an education point too, is dictated by the corporation or the family office or the security company, meaning that Aaron, if you fly for over six hours, you can book first class, or um, you have to allocate this way when you're doing, you know, receipts or yada, 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 where SOPs are your actual operating procedures when protecting that client. So if you have someone studying SOPs, regardless if it's for HVA, residential, EP, travel, ready team, ERT, they're like, okay, hey, when I look at SOPs, I want to know, where did these come from? Well, they came from a risk assessment. Who did the risk assessment? Can we see that? So um, I, risk assessments are something that's, that is not taught in schools, and Catalyst will be launching them this year because I think it's one of the most crucial components of protection work. Yeah, being a protector and learning that how to operate on a daily basis is one thing, but that's protection work. It's not security. Mm-hmm. Right. Correct.